And we're back for another episode of Startup Hustle, a podcast for entrepreneurs by entrepreneurs. If you want to start, own, or build a business, then you're in the right place. We bring you the real truth about what it's like to take something from concept to launch, from growth, innovation, experience, failing, or winning big, we've got you covered. So let's get down to business with another episode of Startup Hustle, brought to you by Fullscale.io. And we're back, back for another episode of Startup Hustle. Matt DeCourcy here to have another conversation that I'm hoping helps your business grow. All right, so if you could live a life without limits, what would that life look like? And what do you think you'd have to do to get there or make it happen or sustain it or do a whole lot of things? It's exactly what we're going to talk about during today's episode before we get too far into that. Today's episode of Startup Hustle is brought to you by Fullscale.io. That's my company, folks. We can help you build a software team quickly and affordably. All you need to do is go to Fullscale.io, answer a couple questions, and our system and platform will match you up with available team members, and we will do our best to help you build that team that you really want and can't afford. You might be surprised. With me today, I've got Tom McCarthy. Tom's the CEO of The Breakthrough Code, the author of The Breakthrough Code, and also the CEO of Thomas McCarthy and Associates. So Tom specializes in coaching, training, speaking, and investing straight out of Rancho Santa Fe, California. Tom, welcome to Startup Hustle. Yeah, the mean streets of Rancho Santa Fe. Hey, Matt, great to be with you, and congratulations on the tremendous success of your podcast. Very impressive. Thanks. Thanks. I appreciate that. It's uh, It's been a lot of work. So, yeah, it's always good to, to, to be down with that. Now, you know, you mentioned things being a lot of a lot of work. What's not going to be a lot of work is finding stuff to talk with you about today. So, you know, I'd like to start that conversation with a little bit about your own backstory. Yeah, so the book is The Breakthrough Code, and the subtitle is living a life without limits. And that was the farthest away from the way that I was living my life early on. I was, I can still remember three years old. My father was an army officer. He'd got sent to Vietnam when I was two and he was supposed to come back home in April of 1964. So it was March of 1964. I remember looking out the window. So way before you were born, but looking out the window into my front yard and my mom was getting us ready for the day. I had a two-year-old brother, a little six-month-old brother, and a taxi cab pulled up. I was all excited because an army officer got out. I thought it was my dad. But it was somebody coming to tell my mom that my dad had actually been killed in Vietnam the day before. And all hell broke loose in our house. Uh, you know, People were coming in, neighbors. Uh, my mom made us stay in the room because she knew what was going on. So we, we were in the room, my two little brothers and I, and people came to console us. And there was a time, as you can imagine, a ton of sadness, grief, and my life changed. You know, it went from being kind of this normal life with two parents and, and uh, you know, two younger brothers. And my mom probably would have had more, she said, more kids to all of a sudden, life wasn't black and white anymore. It was shades of gray. And it was a blessing in disguise, but back then I was filled with fear, anxiety, worry. I thought someone else might die, right? I had all that stuff in my head growing up and I really struggled with it. And the, the benefit though, was it made me look outside the lines and everyone has probably some experience like that. I'm sure you do too. Love to hear yours at some point. But I started reading books by, you may remember Wayne Dyer, uh, Dennis Waitley, when I was in my teens and I was searching for answers, why am I in this situation? You know, and that, to me, it seemed like life is so unfair. I don't have a dad. We didn't have any money. We had this little pension the government gave us. And so we really struggled, but I wanted to figure out how could me, how could I personally get out of this to help my family? So that was my initial motivation. And I started being exposed to people. One person in particular uh, Tony Robbins. I was in my 20s. I was actually, by that point in time, I had a job with a Wall Street firm and I, I, I actually saw him on TV speaking about his first book. A week later, I was out in California with him. And then I came on board to help run his company. I ran all sales and marketing in my 20s. And so 
I kept getting exposed to thoughts that allowed me to, to start to see we can create, we have crappy things happen sometimes, but we can create wonderful things in our lives. And a life without limits, Matt, doesn't mean that every single area of your life is always working perfectly. What it does mean is where you find the blockage, this breakthrough code that I talk about in the book, which is a parable, it allows you, maybe not instantaneously, but it allows you to create a breakthrough. And so whatever's important in your life where you feel stuck, you can create a breakthrough. And when you do that, it makes all of your life richer and fuller and doesn't mean there won't be issues and problems. Those are, those are a lot of times, as we mentioned, blessings. But uh, I've, I've seen in successful people this ability, this ability to get unstuck. And that's what I wanted to share with the world. Yeah, I, that's pretty interesting. And so basically, is the very first part of the Breakthrough Code just to believe that you can do it? Well, there's three big ideas in the Breakthrough Code. The very first part I call focus on less and then obsess. And, and so we have a certain amount of energy coming into the day, right? We wake up, we have some willpower, we've got some energy. And most people spread it way too thin. They're trying to do everything. They become a a jack of all trades, master of none. If you're going to create a breakthrough, you need focused energy. You don't need a light bulb. You need a laser. And so you've got to focus in. Now, not uh, not 24-7. You don't have to be thinking about it or working on it 24-7, but you do have to apply some focus. Your mind is asking you every morning, what do you want me to focus on? And most people, they really don't have focus. It's just what's what email popped up? Who just texted me? If you want to create a breakthrough, you've got to figure out what is the result you want and then focus in where you, you, you allow the, the mind, I almost said the brain, but it's bigger than the brain. It's the mind to absorb it. And one of the habits that we talk about is under that is to see it, feel it, believe it, and then let it go. And that's the work that even people that don't know they're doing it, that's the work that they're doing when they create before they create a breakthrough, because the mind, once it's accepted it, because you showed it what it looks like to create that breakthrough, you felt what it feels like to already have it. And then you believe it, you create a feeling of certainty, then it'll go to work on it. And then the last thing I just want to say on focus on less than obsess, the obsession is not a conscious obsession. So a lot of people think you've got to, you've got to be thinking about every second of the day. I don't believe that. We've got a conscious mind that can process 40 bits of information per second. We could put that to work, but it's going to be super hard and it doesn't process as efficiently as what I call your super conscious mind. Most people call it the subconscious. The super conscious can process 40 million bits of information per second. That's the part of your mind you want working 24-7. And then your conscious mind can be free to go and, and live life. You've got a program, though, probably at least two times a day down in the subconscious, and it, it, it's best to do it when you're in an alpha state, a lower cycling brainwave state, almost a, a daydreaming state. So first thing in the morning and first thing at night, so, or, or right before you go to bed at night. So that's, that's the first big idea is, is literally, it's nothing you know shocking, but focus. The, the interesting thing, though, is I'm not talking about a conscious focus. We use the conscious mind to program the subconscious, and then the subconscious literally can work miracles in, in ways that are even hard to describe. So, so hang on. I know you got three of these, but I want to yeah. stop. I, let's, let's stop it at, at the end of each one. So you say focus yeah. on less than obsess. Sounds like familiar advice that I give to a lot of startup founders, yeah. which is be, be a plus at something before you try to do six other things. So I see a lot of that watering down. Now, when it comes to being an entrepreneur or a founder, especially earlier in the city, so I have 250 employees. So I've got, at this point, I've got a lot of backup, but I didn't mm -hmm. always, and I'm always thin in other spots. When you, when I, as a founder of a, of a rapidly growing company, I think about focusing on less. Now I'm already obsessed with a lot of things. I think that's there, but some of the stuff you can't tune out some of that noise. So what's the best way to go about doing that? Well, I'm not talking about the way to run your life is just to constantly do this. I'm saying where you're stuck. Like if, if I'm, uh, if I'm an entrepreneur and I'm trying to, 
create a software program. You mentioned your ad at the very beginning. I can dive in there and I can try and work on it and become a software programmer or hire my buddy over here, or I can leverage by coming to your company. And, and that's what you need to do too, honestly. Like uh, as an entrepreneur, I, and I've had lots of companies. I had restaurants, I've had insurance companies. I had a software company. I have a training company. So I've got all these companies, some I've sold, but I'm great at only a few things. I'm great at literally looking at an opportunity, coming up with a vision, a plan, getting the right people on board. And it's interesting, like when you are an entrepreneur, you do think you have to do everything yourself. And maybe in the beginning you do because money's tight, but the outsourcing ability that we have now with companies like yours or you know, all the people that literally are looking for opportunities, but they don't want full and full-time employment where you can do it for, as you said, an affordable cost. So I think the illusion that you have to do it all as an entrepreneur is, is something that really hurt me in the beginning of my career being an entrepreneur and burned me out right now. I leverage the heck out of people and it's a lot easier and a lot more fun. And I make a lot more money. Yeah, I think one of the things that's a challenge for any entrepreneur is, like you said, it's it's to stop chasing all the shiny things. Yeah, that's I mean, I you know, largely because of this podcast, I get a lot of people that reach out for a lot of different reasons, and you know, and like I don't know, I'm kind of at the point right now where I I don't want to do anything new because I'm trying to have those blinders on, which I think takes discipline. Now, one other thing you mentioned, so I actually often start my days by just kind of laying on my couch after I wake up and I'm kind of in that daydream state. I'm trying to actually picture and visualize the things that I want to do, how I need to do. And sometimes I just let my mind go and just kind of like, sometimes it, it, it tells me or shows me what I need to do. Is that what you're talking about by visualization? Yeah. So the mind is like a little child. It's, it's literally asking you what you want me to do. And once it has the instructions, it'll do it. It'll do it whether it's good for you or bad for you. Like people go, why is my life so crappy? Well, you programmed a bunch of crap beliefs inside of you yeah. and the mind is just acting out on those. But I don't know if you can see behind me, there's a, there's a ball back there, a red and white ball. Uh, that it. was the Arsenal Football Club. And I, they back in 2005, they called me up. They were undefeated that year. And their sports psychologist who had gone through some trainings I had done over in, in London, he called me up and he said, hey, I need your help. I said, what's going on? His name was David. He goes, well, and I didn't even know what he did, actually. I didn't know much about soccer or they called football. But he said, well, I'm the sports psychologist for the Arsenal Football Club, who I, I didn't know who they are. I know who they are now. But he said, we're playing in the FA Cup championship, which is the equivalent of the Super Bowl in the United States. And he said, I got to talk to the team on Friday. And whatever I say, hopefully it's going to help them be their best on Saturday. And then he asked me, what should I tell them? And I said, David, look, you've coached them all year. They're undefeated. Tell them whatever you've been telling them. He said, I know, but what's one thing I could tell them? What would you tell them, Matt? I mean, I'd tell them, you, you know, doing what you've done, brought you this far, get back out there and do it. Like, don't even think about it. I mean, it's the, uh, you know, I've spent a lot of time talking to high performers myself and a lot of them, you know, at that point you've had the reps, you've had the practice. It's, it's automatic. So don't overthink it. Get out there and have fun. Yeah. Great. I love that. That's great advice. I told them one thing when they go to bed that night, if they have thoughts of worry, anxiety, uh, fear of making a mistake, that will probably show up in the game. If they go to bed that night already knowing, feeling, believing that they are the champions, that they won that game, which is hard for most people, Matt. Most people need to actually see it in, in where they can touch it. They can see it already having happened. Then they believe in something. That One of the big separators of human beings, because everything's created twice, first inside then outside, the masters of the universe are, are masters at creating it inside first, like literally seeing it, feeling it, believing it, just like we talked about. And that's what I, t- I told him to tell them, like they have to really see it as if it's done, create it inside so that it starts forming on the outside. And, and they uh, he told them that and they, that's not why they won the game, probably, but it could have been a factor, but they did end up winning that game. And I have tons of stories of athletes and corporations and 
and just everybody like you're a very successful guy, but everything is created twice. You had to create that inside first, everything like the computer that we're looking at, the desk in front of us, that was all created with a feeling of certainty that it was possible inside somebody's head before it ever got created on the outside. Yeah. You know, it's about 15 years ago. Um, and so at that point I'm, you know, 31 and I, you know, so my, my story is, you know, I dropped out of five colleges and, um, some that's of which record, for, Matt. that's gotta be a record. No, trust me. There's more that I've talked <laughs> to drive tests. There's plenty of people that have gone further, but not many, you. but you know, with that, sometimes for the right reasons, like the last, I mean, I dropped out of a top 10 business school last because I started a business that has turned into oh. everything that we've done now. Yeah. But, um, but so much of that, I, I remember a specific period of sitting back and looking around at all the people that I admired, that I felt that were successful, that had done a lot of stuff. And I started kind of doing this checklist. I was like, I have these same qualities. If, and in many cases, maybe a, a better skill set than a lot of this. And that morphed into this belief which kind of, you know, some people refer to that as a self-fulfilling prophecy, whatever you want to call it. But I think you do have to believe that you can do it before you don't, uh, before you even try. Uh, otherwise, you shouldn't probably be upset that you're not getting what you want. And I think a big part of that, too, is like, stop complaining about not having the things that you want in your life and get to work changing that. So, yeah. OK, so that was principle one. Yeah. What's the second one? Yeah, so the second one uh, aligns and strengthens principle one. So we're really focused. We're creating certainty about it. The second principle is upgrade your story, upgrade your life. And so at the end of the day, and you probably have heard this before, we all we are really are the stories we tell ourselves of who we are. And that's why some people can go through tremendous adversity, but leave it behind or use it as, as a reason why they're successful and other people can go through tremendous adversity and, and be this victim their entire life, actually creating more adversity than is even necessary for them in their life. It's the stories we have inside of ourselves. And so uh, a couple of things I would say on this, like some people say, just think positive. That works. But if you have underlying some disempowering beliefs or you keep thinking of that time where you know your life fell apart or you screwed something up, then you're trying to pile a, a more powerful story on a weak foundation. So one of the habits I believe in is you have to let go of your old baggage. Those old stories you keep telling yourself that keep limiting you and keep creating pretty much the same types of challenges that you get over and over again. Uh, one of the things that, that I say is that you're under no obligation to be the exact same person you were five minutes ago. Now, physically, you may look the same, but at the end of the day, it's that story that's driving us. And so I've had to let go. I, was, I used to say, tell myself, like, I, I would never thought I would do something like this when I was growing up because I'm shy. I, I don't like talking to people. And I kept describing myself through my teens and probably my early 20s as shy. Well, that was an old story that I had to let go of. And now, you know, I've for 30 some years, I've been speaking around the world and working with the top companies in the world, coaching lots of top executives on how they can become even better at speaking. That's one of my fields of expertise. So let go of old baggage and then create your new breakthrough story. And I'll give you a little example of how this might work. So not that this will happen for everybody right away, but my son is a young guy in private equity. So he's uh, 20, this actually turned 26 years old. And he was working on a deal with his senior partners to buy uh, Forbes. And they were going to raise some money and, and buy Forbes. And I told my son, I said, hey, program your mind, put a story in your mind that you're always in the right place at the right time. He's like, dad, who should I talk to? I said, well, just program in your mind that you're always in the right place at the right time. And he's, he believes in the mind. He's, he's really a huge believer in that. He's a really sharp young guy. I was bas college basketball player at Harvard, uh, got his MBA or working on getting his MBA from Rice University. But I said, program your mind with that. And so he did. He started working on it. About a week later, he calls me up and said, Dad, never believe what happened. I said, what? He goes, well, I'm walking down the street. He lives up in West Hollywood. He goes, I'm, I'm walking down the street and this guy's jogging towards me. And right before he gets to me, he stops right in front of me. 
And he said, I don't know why I'm stopping. I never even jogged this way. I live in Beverly Hills. I don't even jog this way. But something tells me I need to talk to you. And I said, how'd that make you feel? He said, you freaked me out, Dad. And I said, how old was he? He goes, he's like your age. He's an old guy. And I said, well, what did he say? He said, well, he asked me what I do. And I, he, I said, what'd you tell him? He said, well, I'm an investor. And the guy goes, well, I'm an investor too. And they talked, but the guy didn't tell him much about what he did, but he gave my son, Tommy, his information. He said, look, if there's ever a reason we need to talk, uh, get, get back in touch with me. So my son goes back and looks him up and he's a billionaire. He is also the founder and managing uh, director of a $4 billion private equity fund. My son calls him back up. He said, hey, we're working on this deal to buy Forbes. Would you be interested in taking a look at it? Guy said, sure. He goes, I was really impressed with you. I'll, I'll take a look at it. So he meets two days later for lunch with Tommy and his three senior partners. And he goes, I really like it. I want another guy to look at it before I commit anything. So he brings another guy in. Two days later, they have dinner. And both those guys commit $100 million each to the Forbes deal. So maybe that's a coincidence, but think about it. If your mind, the super conscious part of your mind, which can process 40 million bits of information per second, also it does not reside just in your head. Your mind is bigger than your body. It, it actually reaches outside your body and can, can sense energy, get information. <laughs> if my son would have been on that sidewalk 30 seconds later or 30 seconds earlier, that meeting doesn't happen. So some people say it's coincidence, but I have things like that happen all the time in my life. And it's because I've programmed a story in my head that those things happen. As an investor, I have I had literally three opportunities in the past year where I don't even know how they came to me, but I was SPACs. I don't know if you know SPACs, but I was a, a sponsor in a SPAC where I was able to get sponsor shares and make quite a bit of money, even though the market's beat up. I had another company uh, less than a year ago that got brought to me that was an um, uh, energy storage company using a really unique method, came out of Bill Gross's uh, Idea Labs and invested in that. Less than 10 months later, I had a, a 7X when it went public, and it's actually still holding up pretty good. These are not things that I've earned, so to speak, like me out there working. These are things that I program in my mind and these opportunities tend to show up. I think one of the things that that is key to that is, you know, you mentioned your son, Tommy, and that's a crazy story, by the way. Yeah. But, you know, I think that being positive about that kind of outcome is a good receiver. You know, like it's, it's, it makes it easier to hear these things because someone with a negative mindset or thinking that, that that's not going to happen. That guy's probably going to pull up, going to stop and be like, Hey, I should talk to you. And you're like, get away from me. Who are you? You're crazy. Exactly. Right. Cause I exactly. feel like that's what like the negative, like closed minded person, like, I don't know, man, I'm kind of weird like that too. Like, I, I mean, I'll just stop and just maybe, you know, and by the way, I'm like the most introverted extrovert you'll ever meet. Right. Cause like I, I'm, like usually, me, yeah. I'm, I'm busy being obsessed with what I'm like a high type D, you yeah. know, like pe people confuse me for being a social butterfly. I prefer you to just leave me alone so I can obsess <laughs> on whatever it is I'm obsessed on. But yeah, there's certain, certain things that I, I've noticed that I don't have any stories that are, that are that, uh, that exact, but I think you got to believe these things are going to happen. Well, the, for me, the, the, the one that's probably the, so everyone that knows me will always say, they're like, dude, everything always works out for you. But mm -hmm. I literally believe it will. I mean, mm -hmm. like, it's like yeah. a very strong part of my thought process. And you know, my wife will even say, she, like during the pandemic and just all this different stuff, she was like, you're handling this really well. I'm like, yeah, yeah. But things always work out for me. She's like, yeah. well, do they? I'm like, name a time it didn't. And yeah. she'll, and she'll maybe name something that didn't go well, but then, yeah. you know, so sometimes you have to dig through the shit because there, yeah. you never know, there could be a diamond in the middle of it. So they're yeah. always kind of uh, making things good that, that normally aren't good. Now, speaking of good things, today's episode of Startup Hustle is brought to you by Fullscale.io, helping you build a software team quickly and affordably. You know, that's my company and I'd love to help you out. So go to Fullscale.io, just answer a couple questions and our system's going to match you up with available technology providers. You know, we have over 250 people. I just hired my 250th employee, Tom. 
Wow. 250, man, we're going to have <laughs> f- probably 400 by the end of the year. And, you know, some of that is I see it. Like I see a lot of it. I see thousands of employees and, um, and it's probably good that I do because the 250 I have now, plus the rest that we will continue to add are counting on me to have it together and have my story figured out. And it's kind of funny is my story is, is very connected. So most of our employees are in Cebu city in the Philippines. And I uh-huh. hired someone there 13 years ago wow. to help me solve a technical problem. And, you know, it wasn't until nine years, I had employees there for a long time, but it wasn't until nine years later, we decided to help solve the problem where there aren't enough computer programmers in the United States. So, okay. So we it. focused on less then so we can obsess. I get that. Um, yeah. I often ask people, what's the difference between being driven and being obsessed and that the answer for me is it depends who you ask. Um, and then, you know, then we upgraded our story. I, I even wrote some of my story into my book, Million Dollar Bedroom. So, mm-hmm. you know, now I, I wrote that and I was thinking, man, I'm writing this way too early. I'm going to have to write like three more of these because I'm just getting started. So speaking of just getting started, let's get started on this third point because I'm dying yeah. to hear it. Well, and before, before the third point, the, the great thing you just mentioned is you'd have to write additional books because your story keeps evolving. And unfortunately for most people, their story doesn't evolve. And, and they keep telling themselves the same story over and over again. Everything is energy. Everything, Einstein said everything is energy and energy follows thought. So when we create a new story, now we've got this energy following a newer thought, creating a new reality. So that's super important that the story continue to evolve. I thought I had a, you know, a, a great early career. And I thought I knew everything and I'd figured life out. And I know so much more now because I I didn't let my story get stuck with past successes. And I think that's a great lesson that you just brought out. So the third big idea is you've got to pack your day with effective action. So I do not believe in massive action. So even just the the little uh, commercial that you just ran, and I mentioned earlier, like I could figure out probably how to program and do some of my own work, but that would be really ineffective action. So the equation I like to talk about is effort. How hard you work is multiplied by effectiveness and that equals results. A lot of people think I just need to work harder. And if you're not working that much, yeah, you probably do. But someone like you, you're not going to work harder. You're not going to you're not going to work 20 hours a day. I mean maybe you already do that already. You're going to find ways to take your effort and make it more effective. How do you grow your business from where it is now to 2-3x? It's not going to be you working harder. It's going to be you bringing in high quality people that can get results that the business isn't getting quite yet even though you're very successful. And it's you leveraging yourself. So uh, effort times effectiveness equals results. And in this whole thing of you've got to take massive action. You know, I did that when I was younger. I kind of burned myself out. Now, as I mentioned, when I focus in and I have the right programs and then I'm almost guided, it's almost like your intuition will, will move you in the direction. It's not like you're, you're frantically looking, what can I do next? What can I do next? Which a lot of people that are trying to figure life out, that's what they do you get guided, right? And, and that's, that's the third big uh, principle in the book. How do you take more effective action where you've got two to three times the effectiveness or 10 times the effectiveness with the same amount of effort, now you have 10 times the results? Simple question I ask myself all yeah. day. Is this the best use of my time? Yeah, yeah. You and know, because people say, most- well, what, what, what is the best use of your time? You know, well, that's up to you to determine. It's not, you know, yeah. like, the values created in so many different ways, shapes and forms. And, you know, I, I mentioned dropping out of five schools. I learned something at most of those five. <laughs> and, you know, at the last one, the, the one that really stood out was the idea of opportunity cost. And, you yeah. know, I, I get I get into that and, you know, I. I mentioned I, I wrote a book about achievement. It's based on mm-hmm. a little bit. It's it's based on, actually has a lot of similarities to some of the things you're talking about. I actually created a scoring system that you can mm-hmm. teach yourself to help you understand. It's all about if you're moving towards your goals, yeah. Whether they be personal, professional, or physical, and those are the categories and in, in my and my outlook on this. And like, yeah. if those categories get you know, they have a different balance for each one. And it says right in the beginning, this isn't a life balance book because there's no such thing. 
And also there's no right answer. I think you have to figure out your own right answer. And with opportunity costs, you need to think about what you're giving up sometimes. And I think a lot of times entrepreneurs give up things that are highly valuable that aren't related to the business, like take, like your family, like, you know, so I'm going to, I'm going to a a private function for a local venture capital firm today. And, you know, honestly, from a business perspective, it'd be a good thing for me to stay to the whole thing and maybe go hang out with people afterward. I'm not doing that. I'm going to be there for an hour and a half. I'm going to my daughter's softball game. Mm-hmm. You know, like that's, there's more value in that. Like all those people here in my hometown, I mean, honestly, they already know who I am. They know what I do. It'll be good to see them and say hello, but yep. you know, I can, I can invite them out to do other different things. And you know, this is my daughter. She's seven years old. It's her first yeah. softball game of the season. We've been working on a lot of stuff and catching, you know, like yesterday I taught her how to ride a bike, dude. Like <laughs> literally awesome. without the training wheels. Like, yeah. I mean, like for me, like that's like, Okay. So if I could have stayed and sat in my computer and could have done a lot, I could have, I don't know, I could have done a lot of other stuff, but what could I have done that would have been more valuable or memorable in my life and her life than that? You know? So now that said, that's always the, the, always the entrepreneur's dilemma because you know, like you said, so my, my whole theory is that success demands payment in advance. You just got to figure out what it is that you want and start writing those checks. So But, but really in the end, if you let the rest of your life, so you talk about being limitless and all this stuff, it's like, you can't let certain parts of your life fall apart just to be successful professionally, because you're going to find that that doesn't have any flavor when your wife leaves you or your kids are jerks because you never spent any time with them, or maybe you got fat and out of shape. That's like one of the things I'm battling right now. Like the pandemic brought me to, I'm a big guy. I'm six foot four and currently 260 pounds. I'm not comfortable with that. You know, the only thing I seem to respond to is the keto diet. So I'm back on it. You know, it's like just certain things. It's like you have to draw a line and say, you know what, this is where this stops. And like you said, you begin that new story, you begin that new thing. So, all right, I have another, all right, I I have a question about this. Let me say one thing too, though. I I, I just want to pile on top of what you're saying. For me, the most important role I had in life was being the father of two amazing kids. I have a, 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 my daughter was first born. She's, she, I was just with her right before I got on uh, this show with you. And then our son is like three years younger and, and especially growing up without a dad. So I've been entrepreneurial ever since I had, well, I had the job with the Wall Street firm for a couple of years, youngest ever hired out of college by this uh, Wall Street firm. And then I came and helped run Tony Robbins company for a couple of years. But then after that, I've always had my own companies. And, and obviously there's a lot of stress, but my kids were all were, were, were by far the number one most important thing in my life, particularly since I grew up without a dad. I wanted to be the best dad I could be. I've been married 30 years. We have two great kids. And I would trade that or I wouldn't trade that for any amount of money. And I've made lots and lots of money. So it can be done. Were there times where I was working really hard for you know periods of time during that where I I didn't have as much time for my kids. Sure. Were there times when I was traveling? Yeah. But then when I was back home, I would go to their practices, their games, right? That was the fun part. So if you're an entrepreneur, that part of your your life with your children and your spouse can fuel you to come back even more refreshed when you get back into the the business part of your day. Yeah. I think the key with that is also um, finding someone that supports your vision in that Mm -hmm. regard, meaning like husband, wife, partner, whatever the situation you're in. And, you know, like I have a very supportive wife that, you know, sometimes I tell her, I'm like, I got to go take care of this. And she's Mm -hmm. like, all right, cool. I'll see you when I get back. And it's not, you know, and and it's not easy on either one of us. I mean, for her, she wouldn't want to go deal with the stress and the crap that whatever, (laughs) you know, I'm dealing with on the other side, she'd rather, you know, deal with the kids, which on some, on some days is my biggest fear. I'm like, please, don't leave me alone with them for too long. I need enough of them. But if you leave me alone for too long, I might, cause I'm kind of like, you know, many listeners are going to be too young to remember the movie, Mr. Mom. Yeah. Uh, that was me with, what, what was his name? But Keaton, Michael Keaton. Yeah. 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 Uh, yeah. Yeah. So, all right. So you've been called the world's number one high stakes performance coach. So what does that mean? Well, I think what it means with the people that have uh, asked me to come work with them and, and have kind of coined that is 
I work with people when they're under a lot of pressure. So like, you know, athletes like, uh, you know, Arsenal Football Club under a lot of pressure needed to perform big. But most of my work is not with athletes. I have worked with some world champions. I worked with four Olympic gold medalists also. Most of my work is with CEOs, COOs, uh, CROs in some of the biggest tech companies, companies like Cisco, Microsoft, Salesforce, uh, many uh, of the financial companies like MetLife. And a lot of times I'm called in when something didn't work, like maybe they got up and they gave a presentation and it bombed or something's not working in their team. And they need just an outside person to give them some perspective. And so I'm not in it with them every day. So I can come in in a, in a more, I guess, calm or enlightened way and help them a lot of times using the breakthrough code and other techniques that we do help them find a way out of the, the situation they're in where they can really perform at a high level, either individually or as a team. And I, I thrive on that. Like even in our own family, my kids were both athletes. My son was a college basketball player. My daughter was actually went to UCLA. She was an All-American soccer player. So prayed All-American, national champion. And we had a saying around the McCarthy house growing up that, you know, at the McCarthy house, we eat pressure for breakfast. So we actually like pressure. <laughs> my son would be the guy that wants the shot at the end of the game. My daughter uh, made game-winning goals in, in huge games. I mean, it's kind of stuff that we actually like around our house, and yet most people don't. And so what I, what I really try and do is help people step up when the stakes are high. That, uh, that's a very... Uh familiar message, um, yeah. in my household in some regards, but I always, uh, you know, my wife is, she, uh, fears public speaking and I crave it. <laughs> and so, and so sometimes it's like, you know, I don't know, I, once again, I think it's good to have someone around you that supports the things that you need to do. And sometimes yeah. tells you the encouraging things. So once, once again, with me today, I've got Tom McCarthy. Now you can learn more about Tom at TomMcCarthy.com. There's a link for that in the show notes. You can also go to the breakthroughcode.com and learn more. Now, I think we'd be a little remiss if we didn't, uh, you know, we've been talking about your, the breakthrough code and that's your, that's your latest book. Do you have more? I, I wrote a couple books actually on presenting. So uh, the one yeah. that's still on Amazon is called win the presentation game. And I, I look at it as a game. Like when you get up to present, I was terrible at it. I remember Tony Robbins put me up in front of a thousand people when I was, you know, 24, 25 years old. I, I was horrible. I was so humiliated as I never want to do this again. And I figured I had to figure out, you know, I had to figure out a way to get better at it. And so I, I literally looked at, this is what I do. I look at people that are really successful and I just try and figure out in no more than three steps. That's why the breakthrough code has three big ideas. Win the presentation game, three big ideas. Now there's a lot of sub ideas but there's three things that the best presenters on the planet do. Number one, they, they know how to create a compelling story, not a presentation with a bunch of slides. They could have slides, but it's going to flow like a story. Number two, they show up. I call, I call it feeling like a winner. They show up. Even if they were nervous 10 days ago, they get themselves to show up in a way where they know they've crushed it. And then number three, they energize and engage their audience. And so we show people how to do that. And we, do those trainings uh, all over the world. Those are all good things to have. You know, it's like you mentioned that, that speaking and I mean, more people are more afraid of death or they're more afraid of public speaking than death. And like, this is like a, a, ver a very well-known fact. And it's one of the things that so many people have to overcome to be successful because I, I don't know so much about life is, is selling. And you talk about like you selling your idea that could just yeah. be your wife. Yeah. As to why you need to go do whatever you're going to do on Friday. But, uh, you know, I actually uh, it put, a, put a little bit of a, a twist onto that. And in my book, Balance Me, uh, where mm -hmm. it, it, understanding the personality style of the person that you're talking to, mm -hmm. because my personality style goes over real well with some people and bombs with others. So it's not up. It's easy in the beginning to think, well, why these people just don't get me. Forget them. Well, if you want to be heard by them, you're going to have to do a couple things to maybe change your approach to speak the language that they're going to hear best. So yeah. I think those are some of the things in presenting. Now, we back to the breakthrough code. 
You mentioned Jonathan Bowman. So who's Jonathan Bowman? Well, this book really is, uh, it's, a, it's fiction, but there's a lot of my life and my observations in the book. So uh, Jonathan Bowman is a young guy, talented guy, but had lots of hardships growing up. And he learns through these three mentors, the breakthrough code. Uh, one of the mentors, the first mentor is, uh, is, is in the book is a guy named Bob Woodbury. And my dad had a friend named Bob Woodbury. who They were young army officers together. Bob had gone to an Ivy League school, Dartmouth. My dad had gone to West Point. And uh, they were in the 82nd Airborne. And during one of the jumps, uh, Bob Woodbury parachuted out of the airplane, but his parachute didn't open up. And so he had obviously a, a very hard landing, uh, very fortunate to even be alive, but broke his back in several places. And when my dad passed away, we didn't know Bob Woodbury because that was uh, earlier in my dad's career, but he wrote us a letter and he talked about the impact that my dad had on him and said that when he was in the hospital for three or four months, my dad was the only person that every single day came to check on him and make sure he was doing okay. And he offered to send I have two younger brothers. He wrote a letter to my mom, still have the letter but he offered to put one of us through school. And every Christmas he would send us, I think it was like a hundred dollars, but back each hundred dollar bill, or maybe it's 200, but back in those days, it was a fortune because we didn't have any money and we were barely getting by. And so he was such a mentor to me and he helped me get my first job with the Wall Street Company. I have him in there and then there's parts of lots of different people in there, but there's no one character. Like I'm not a character. But I hope it's a fun story. We've gotten great feedback on it, and we've got a lot of big endorsements from some of the real leaders in, in the world. Yeah, I'm going to check it out, man. I like your style. So, you know, it's, I think that if you find someone that is feeding you the mental stuff that you need, I mean, you got to kind of take it from there. There's a lot of different directions you can go. Now, you know, you mentioned, you know, working with Tony Robbins and, you know, all these different people. How important do you think it is to just find someone that that's giving you the, like, whether it's you, me, this podcast, whoever it is, I think if you can find positive influence and in people that, that move you, just move yeah. you. Like, I think that's the, 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 people ask me like, what's the most difficult thing about running a big company, moving people, getting people to move. Like yeah. you mentioned that as being kind of the third part of your presentation. Yeah. Uh, you know, you gotta, if you can't excite people and get them to uh, action, buy yeah. into what you're doing, yeah. then, well, cause all you can do is all you can do. So yeah. do you think it's important for, for everyone, regardless of, of your own self-perceived success to, to have mentors and people that you look, look to help move you? Yeah, I think mentors are inspirers. Like I, and I'm inspired by people that uh, we have in my training company, we have a, a three-part mantra that kind of drives our behavior. Number one is we always play big. It doesn't matter what's going on. We're going to find a way to play big, right? Number two is we eat pressure for breakfast. I told you that one earlier. And number three is we spread the love. We really love people up and make them feel good when they're in our trainings. But always playing big, like what I look for is, is people that are playing big, people that are going for it. That inspires me. Tony is somebody that to this day, right, you know, he plays big and, and we're, you know, we work on some different things together. Um, but also what I'm liking now, too, that I'm older, I'm, I'm an elder statesman now, is I it's love... It's an exp experienced statesman. You're not even there. Don't, yeah, you're not even close to me yet. So I don't want to hear from you. But finding younger people, people like you, right? And, or people even, I'm working with some people that are in their 20s and 30s that just have all this energy and these, these really, you know, incredible, sometimes crazy ideas. And, and I like teaming up with those people because that energy that they have, sometimes, you know, when you've, when you've done well and you kind of feel like you've made it, you can settle in. I don't want to settle in yet. Maybe one day I will, but right now I still want to be thinking bigger and, and seeing how I can help more people on the planet live that life with without limits that I believe they can. You, met, you mentioned Forbes earlier. I won an award for them for being one of their top 1,000 startup people awesome. last year. And yeah. I did an interview about it and they said, well, how do you feel about this accomplishment? And I said, well, I don't feel like I've accomplished anything yet. I'm just getting yeah. started. Yeah, and that's the whole thing. And by the way, the highlight of my week is you 
someone called me young. Um, I mentioned having 250 employees. I, I am the second oldest out of all of them. So yeah, that's, that's, li- that's li- yeah, that's life in a tech company. I'll tell you yeah. that much. So uh, before we get into the founders freestyle, you know, thanks for joining me, Tom. This has been very insightful. I want to remind everybody that Startup Hustle was brought to you by Fullscale, helping you build a software team quickly and affordably. Now, if you're into Startup Hustle, have you joined the Startup Hustle chat on Facebook? We sometimes talk about some stuff in there that you might want to participate in. Come there and join us if you're interested in seeing the video series we put out last year, Startup Hustle TV. Head on over to the YouTube. You can learn more about it. Now, I mentioned that I end my episodes of Startup Hustle with the Founders Freestyle. It's because I'm not the only host. That's why I said my episodes. Make sure you tune in weekly from a business partner at, at both at and co-founder both at Full Scale and Startup Hustle, Matt Watson has a weekly show now. You know, Matt knows a couple of things. He's had some huge exits and has some very interesting insight. Make sure you tune in weekly with Andrew Morgans, the CEO and founder of Marknology. He'll teach you a whole lot about selling stuff on Amazon. And tune in for one of my Shiro's weekly episodes, Lauren Conaway, the founder of Innovate Her. She, you know, Lauren handles all the topics and stuff that I'm afraid to talk about. Probably. <laughs> so thank you for that, Lauren. But, you know, as I mentioned, it's time for our founders freestyle. And, uh, you know, uh, you get to sum up what you get to say, whatever you want here, Tom, you told me before we hit record that you weren't going to sing or rap. We're going to have to live with and handle our disappointment with that. If I only had known that I needed to get you to picture yourself doing it ahead of yeah. time, we could have had a different outcome. Maybe when we have you back, we'll be able to get that in. So awesome. what do you have, what do you have to say on the way out, sir? So I want to, I want everyone to just take do a little experience with me. So cross your arms and Matt, you can do it too. Cross your arms the way you normally cross them. Just kind of, yeah, there you go. And notice which one's on top, which one's on the bottom. And I want everyone to do this because I'm going to prove a point to you. So that feels comfortable, right? That's the way you normally do it. Now take them apart and put it back the opposite way. Feels weird. <laughs> yeah. I almost can't do it. Yeah. <laughs> Matt's yeah. struggling. I don't know if you can see him, but Matt's How do arms work right again? Yeah. yeah. But see, that's that's that feeling, that feels weird feeling is the feeling you've got to start craving. Because what we do for the most part is we just try and we're comfortable. It's like being in all those clogged up lanes in traffic. Everyone else is there. There's that fast lane that you could get to, but it takes getting uncomfortable. And to, if you if you're willing to do it, and as an entrepreneur, you have to really be willing to do it. It's if I ask Matt, how many times did he do something that felt uncomfortable, not violating his values, but just yeah, but A just lot. things that that it, you had to expand yourself. It's why he has 250 employees on his way to 400. You guys have heard tons of podcasts where someone tells you this is the key to success, and then you go, yeah, that makes sense, and. And then maybe you dabbled at it or you, you didn't even try it because, oh, that's him, not me, or that's her, not me. Look, these principles work, but when you change your story, what I'm talking about, upgrading your story, I'm talking about literally getting rid of the crap that you've been holding on to that you, you go, yeah, it's crap, but I'm comfortable with this crap. Well, get rid of it. It'll feel a little bit uncomfortable. It'll feel a little bit weird, but that's what's required. And that's what I would end with. You, you have this ability to create a breakthrough in any area of your life, a magnificent breakthrough, but you have to get uncomfortable and you have to start craving that feeling of learning something new or trying something and not being that good at it. That's what's required to get to where you want to go. A couple follow-up things here that stood out for me today. First off, I love the thinking big thing. Like, Let's do something big and meaningful or let's wait till we have the idea that meets those requirements. Um, I think with the, you know, the uncomfortable part, I think that that's a key ingredient. You know, one of the things that I talked about in my book, Balance Me, was so you're seeking change in your life, but you need to understand that change is an uncomfortable thing and most people struggle with it. And the thing that most people have to get over and learn is that the thing we need to change the most is ourselves. We are without a doubt our own worst enemy. We have the worst conversations about us, about us. Yeah. And if you're not comfortable with making that change and identifying the fact that you're probably your own biggest problem, then you're not ready to change yet. And, yeah. you know, and, you know, change isn't something that, that 
you just do one time. It requires constant states of tune up. And I compare it to like, like a top, like a children's toy, you know, like you spin mm-hmm. it and it has this nice tight rotation and eventually it wobbles and falls over. You pick it up and spin that thing again. And you know, the more you spin it, the better you'll get at spinning it, but you're always yeah. going to kind of fall off, off axis a little bit and, you know, get into territory that isn't comfortable, but look, it, it, things that are worth doing are difficult. And big things are difficult to do alone. So, mm-hmm. you know, get ready to be uncomfortable and find some other people that want, that are cool with being uncomfortable along with you because, yeah. I mean, really, that, those are the, those are things that really, really matter. You know, Tom, I, I really enjoy this conversation. It's very refreshing to uh, hear so many of the things that you had to say. Now, there's one thing I get myself in trouble when I say this, but I'm going to say it anyway. So I am the guy that says, if you're not an entrepreneur, don't give me advice about being an entrepreneur. <laughs> right. But you're an entrepreneur and you have been for a very long time. So this definitely uh, landed a, a completely different way. Like I, I'm usually in trouble because I get invited to a panel and there's three people on it that have never been an entrepreneur and they want to tell me all about it. And I'm like, I'm sorry, you do not have my attention. <laughs> I'm, yeah. So now, by the way, the people I usually get in trouble with are the non-entrepreneurs that <laughs> want to listen. I have yet to meet a whole lot of entrepreneurs that say that they they want advice on entrepreneurship from yeah those that haven't done it. Yeah. Anyway, so go check out the Breakthrough Code. You go to the breakthroughcode.com, go to tommccarthy.com. There are links for both of those in the show notes. I already ordered the book, so I want you to go ahead and do the same. Tom, I'm going to catch up with you down the road. I'm hoping to have you back someday. Yeah, I'd love to catch up with you again, Matt. And just amazing your story. I want to learn even more about you and I want to pick your brain too, because uh, growing this company, the software company, to where it is now, and and the projections you have is is un, is is just uh, it's awesome. And I'm excited for you, man. I mean, you're a young guy with tons of potential. You got lots of people listening to you, and they are very very lucky to hear your wisdom on this show. You're too kind. Startup Hustles brought to you by Fullscale.io, helping you build a software team quickly and affordably. Make sure you reach down and hit that subscribe button, then come find us on Instagram. See you next time.